Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Barebones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission, what I stand for is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and effectively so that you can help your students learn and as a result grow your impact and connection this mission reflects the core ways of being that i work to develop in teachers confidence clarity purpose impact and connection through my mentorship program and my online learning program called your yoga anatomy blueprint I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, but almost more importantly, help them learn how to move beyond their self-limiting beliefs so that they can be strong, confident, and clear when they teach. I know from experience that personal barriers are just as important to address as learning anatomy for teachers. I also recognize that the current system of training teachers is leaving them with a gap, both in their anatomy knowledge and areas of personal growth. I hear more times than not, I graduated from my teacher training, but I'm too afraid to teach. My mission is to help you move past the fear, embrace your true nature, teach you the key aspects of anatomy so you're armed with what you need to know to be an effective teacher and coach you along the way. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information on my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. This is Conversations for Yoga Teachers, and I am your host, Karen Fabian. I want to welcome you here to episode 63, and I am recording this from my apartment here in Boston on March 17th, 2020. And I wanna just mention the date, which I usually don't, just because um, someday I'm gonna re-listen to this episode and have the foresight of having lived through, or the hindsight of having lived through a very, very challenging time. And I don't think it would be responsible or would even make sense for me to start this episode without first acknowledging what is happening in the world right now, which is the outbreak of coronavirus. Now, I don't know how this is affecting uh, you, my listener. I certainly hope you are not physically uh, sick or someone you love is not physically sick. Uh, Even if you are well, as I hope you are, I know this is impacting you in probably more ways than I can even imagine. So I just wanted to send out my love and my good wishes to you um, and just say that I know this is a difficult time and I would just encourage you to use your tools as a yoga teacher to really work to stay grounded. So things like meditation, mindfulness techniques, your yoga practice are all gonna be super, super helpful right now. I would say at a tactical level, not watching television except for small doses, checking online news in small doses is probably the most that you should do if you want to kind of maintain some sense of 
calm and peace in your life, which I know, again, is really, really hard. Um, so I just wanted to start out by acknowledging that is what's happening right now for all of us. And I hope as you listen to this podcast, it can be a little bit of a distraction uh, from, from what's currently going on. So having said that, I want to begin today's episode with um, just a kind of a visualization, not, not really a visualization in the true sense of the word, but just kind of a scenario. And I want to give you this scenario as a way to kind of set the stage for what I'm going to be talking about today. So I want you to imagine that you're a really, really good cook and you can cook everything from basic things like scrambling eggs to complex things like cooking a souffle. And let's say you have somebody over for dinner and you cook this really complicated meal and they come to the dinner and they begin to uh, question the uh, techniques that you're using, but yet they can't answer any questions about how to even do something basic like saute garlic. So I want you to just kind of keep that scenario in your mind. And now, Hold on to that thought. The next thing, and I know this is a little bit of a weird jump, but the next thing I want you to imagine is yourself teaching in a way where you've built a fundamental knowledge of anatomy, but you don't necessarily have to use anatomy-based cues all the time. You can use action words and you can do it confidently, but you know what's happening underneath the skin. Okay, you know what's going on there. It's not that you're using action words because you don't know, and that's your kind of backup plan. You, you do know, but you've, for various reasons, decided to use action words as your cues. So I want you to just kind of keep those two scenarios in mind and those ideas in mind as we go into today's episode. I want to um, remind you, or I guess I want to offer to you, as I am recording this on the 17th, Tomorrow, I'm sending out a really special offer to people on my wait list for my Blueprint Learning Program. And this is going to be a special offer only to teachers on the wait list. So if you're not on the wait list, uh, all you need to do is go to my website and click the link and you'll be on the wait list. And that will get you the first opportunity to enroll in my most comprehensive anatomy and teacher development program. Um, it actually isn't my most comprehensive. My most comprehensive program is my mentorship program. However, the Blueprint Learning Program is part of the mentorship program. So if you kind of think of it as a graduated process from a learning uh, and benefit perspective, the Blueprint Learning Program is right up there in my kind of um, suite of programs for teachers. Um, and the mentorship program is even more intensive where I work one-on-one -on -one with teachers and the blueprint uh, program is part of what they get as a benefit. Um, all of this leads to my teacher certification program in anatomy and teaching specifically, and I'll be sharing the details of that in the coming months. So for right now, um, if you're interested in really growing your knowledge as a teacher, the best thing you can do is to go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, click the link on the homepage to get on the wait list for the Blueprint Learning Program because there's going to be special news coming out this week about that starting tomorrow, Wednesday, the 18th. And if you want to just kind of jump ahead, I am looking 
for, I have spots for two, only two teachers right now in my mentorship program. So you could always, I really prefer people go through the Blueprint Learning Program first as a standalone. Um, however, I have made some exceptions depending on the teacher's situation. So you can always um, get on the mentorship program waitlist. And what I'll probably do, since I do have two open slots, is send you the application form because that program is application only because I need to evaluate uh, where you're at as a teacher before um, accepting you into the mentorship. So those are two things I wanted to tell you about. Um, and I think at this point we can just kind of get right into it. So I want to tell you why I am focusing on this today. The reason I'm focusing on this idea and, and just kind of think back to that scenario I started out with regarding uh, you being a really good chef and someone coming over and, and you know, just kind of making assumptions about how you cooked it. And I don't, I don't really want, it's not the perfect uh, analogy because I don't want it to be, um, I don't want to give you the sense that it's uh, a right wrong situation or kind of a negative tone. It's just this idea that um, getting uh, uh, or hearing statements made about particular things when the fundamental knowledge is not there. That, that's really what I'm, what I'm getting at. And so in that story, it's kind of like, hey, if you're not really uh, a cook, it's really hard to make kind of grandiose statements about the quality of cooking if you're not really, you know, someone who, who cooks, especially when it comes to technique. I'm not talking about flavor. So, um, so the reason I use that as an example is because I was thinking about all of this last night after a number of conversations I'd had yesterday and in the days prior with teachers in my mentorship program, in my anatomy Facebook group, where um, very, you know, just very um, matter of factly, they were sharing cues that they had heard and were wondering um, how those cues applied to anatomy or what the anatomy was behind the cues. And honestly, I could probably do <laughs> an episode like this every week where you know maybe you all submit cues you've heard and we break them down and kind of stick them through my, my template, which I presented to you last week in last week's episode. So if you missed that, I would definitely go back and listen to that although I am gonna go over it again today because it's a perfect component to go along with what we're talking about here. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not really here to be like a cues analyzer teacher. Um, in a lot of ways, I don't wanna be the kind of teacher who you know, gets known for, oh, Karen knows the right way and these other teachers are wrong or that kind of thing. It's not about that. Um, the reason I created the template I shared with you last week is because I want to give you as a teacher the process, the template to be able to analyze these things yourself and be able to come to your own conclusions so that you're going to be able to be a little more discerning when you're out there on the mat as a student and most definitely more in integrity when you're out there as a teacher giving these cues right? But in order for you to be able to use the template that I shared last week that I'll go over again today and to be able to analyze 
any cue, you've got to have the fundamentals. And so that's why I called today's episode learning the fundamentals and then learning how to apply them. And this is exactly the same story with the cooking story I started out with. It's really hard to kind of, as a chef, let's say, teach somebody how to do something complicated like cook a souffle if they can't scramble an egg, right? You have to understand the components of how eggs, you know, cook and all of that to be able to transform them from scrambled eggs into a souffle. I don't know why I'm using all these cooking analogies. I actually love cooking. Anyway, so back to the yoga. So, um, so as I was saying, I was having these conversations and, and teachers were asking questions about, well, how come in this scenario people say that, or in this scenario people say this? So I'll give you some examples. Things like um, relax your glutes in chair pose, contract your core in upward dog pose, squeeze your glutes in bridge pose, don't put your foot on your knee in tree pose, drop your shoulder blades in warrior one pose, right? So I could probably add 50 more and you could probably too. <clears throat> and the idea is, or the, the concept I'm trying to share is that all of those statements, right? Relax your glutes in chair, contract your core and upward dog. And I'm not even getting into, you know, kind of analyzing. I'm just saying those kinds of statements are essentially cues or phrases that presuppose an understanding of the fundamentals because what they express is more of an application of fundamental anatomy to movement, right? So this idea that you can use a cue that is an expression of a more complex understanding of anatomy because it's an expression or a phrase that refers to applying anatomy to movement when you don't have the prerequisite fundamental knowledge of anatomy first is completely backwards. And this is what I really, you know, it didn't really hit me until I'd had so many of these conversations in the past couple of days. And even from last week when I created this cues analyzer template, it really is hitting home for me what is happening out there. And by out there, I mean in the yoga industry. And I don't know if it's a function of the training teachers are getting or their lack of confidence and, and lack of knowledge <clears throat> is having them reach out and start to grab cues that they hear and just repeat them because there's an assumption that the teacher saying them must know. All I can say is, and this is kind of a gut check for you as a listener, if you're a yoga teacher, do you feel that you are using cues like this, these, maybe these specific examples I'm giving or other things that you're saying that really assume an underlying knowledge of anatomy that you don't have, right? So let me give you an example. If I teach warrior one and I say from downward dog, step your right foot forward, drop your back heel down, reach your arms up. And that's all I say. 
Number one, that is totally sufficient and totally fine. And quite frankly, <laughs> in times like these would probably be quite appreciated by my students. It's completely understandable, completely transferable from person to person, doesn't require any specialized knowledge of anatomy. As a teacher, I can be in full confidence and integrity because what I'm saying is 100% within my knowledge base and um, not that I could defend it, but it makes perfect sense. The shape of the pose is what it is. The words that I used completely and clearly describe the actions the student needs to take to create that shape or posture. Now, the converse would be, from downward dog, step your right foot forward, drop your back heel down, spiral your back inner thigh towards the outer walls, reach your arms up, push your right hip back, center your hips, but turn your back foot in 45 degrees. And as you reach up, can you squeeze your shoulder blades together? If you don't squeeze your shoulder blades together, you'll find you might have some tightness in the front of your body. Okay, now, obviously that's a lot. I'm kind of exaggerating a bit. You probably wouldn't find someone using that many cues. And I really, really, really don't want you to be triggered if you are saying some of these things. It's fine. It happens. It's part of what's happening. What I'm trying to illustrate is that many of those cues that I just gave suggest that I, as a teacher, have an underlying knowledge of what's happening under the skin. Because now I've up-leveled the style of cue that I'm providing from an action-based cue to an anatomy-based cue. And if I'm up-leveling my style of cue that I'm offering, but I'm not bringing with it the requisite knowledge to support that, that's a problem. Now, you might say, what's the problem? Okay, so let's first consider the obvious problem. I'm out of integrity. I'm saying something that I don't know is true. Now, when I'm out of integrity, I don't wanna say it's like I'm lying because I'm not doing it intentionally to hurt somebody and I'm not trying to be over dramatic. But when I'm out of integrity, I absolutely lack confidence. And I've talked about this a lot, this just kind of like squeaky voice and laughing a lot and walking around the studio and not willing to look at people and playing with you know the music and doing all the things that teachers do that show that illustrate their lack of confidence and many times their lack of confidence can be tied back to primarily what they're doing which is using cues where they don't understand what's behind them okay the why behind them and then the other issue is if i'm using cues where i don't know then when someone asks me a question, I can't answer it. And even though you might say, well, not many people come up to me after class and ask me a question. I mean, I don't really know that that's, I mean, I hope you wouldn't say that because I don't really think that that's a good reason to still go ahead and say things that you don't know the why behind. So this is what I mean about using the cue without the why behind it and using cues that really start to assume an underlying knowledge and really describe kind of dynamic movement and what's happening in dynamic movement, right? Because when I say, step your right foot forward, drop your back foot, reach up, I'm just basically coaching somebody into a shape 
without taking on the added piece of making suggestions to how things work together. And we of course know that in yoga practice, we are dynamically moving on the mat. And so absolutely things are working together. But in order to speak to how things work together, we have to understand how they work individually, right? So this is kind of the, the overall um, idea that I'm trying to share. And the reason I'm sharing it with you is because I really want you to be able to do an honest self-assessment of how you are cueing in your classes. Because let's face it, the cues that you give are the primary way you're teaching. Um, and especially right now, I mean, I don't really want to talk about right now because it's such an odd scenario, but if you are teaching right now, uh, you're obviously not assisting people hands-on. So all you have is your cues. Anyway, point being your cues all the time, every day, doesn't matter what's happening are going to be the main way that you are coaching people through the yoga practice. And you, um, have the ability to kind of stay in a zone of teaching from action, right? So any of you out there that have watched my cues webinar, I go through the different kinds of cues, action, alignment, anatomy, and feeling-based. If you haven't uh, watched that and you'd like to, just send me an email and I'll send you the link to the webinar. Uh, it's karen at barebonesyoga.com. Um, so those are the four kinds of cues, at least in my estimation, and you can absolutely teach from action. Action and alignment teach people what to do and the general shape of each posture. And I don't need as a teacher to have a higher level understanding of how things work in concert in dynamic movements. Uh, I can just kind of leverage my knowledge as it is today. And that doesn't mean that my knowledge isn't going to grow. It just means that I have an honest assessment of where my knowledge is today and I'm staying within my framework. I'm staying within my zone. And I don't mean my comfort zone, but I'm staying within my responsible zone as a teacher to share what I know. And I absolutely promise you, if you stay within that zone, your teaching will explode with confidence because everything you're saying, you're gonna be able to stand behind. And I don't mean stand behind like you have to defend it, like a position in a debate, but teaching confidently comes from a well of knowledge that's underneath the surface. Right, It doesn't come from pretending to be, putting on airs, using other people's words, pretending to be like your mentor, and on and on and on. It comes from you being yourself and sharing what you know. And so this gives you as a teacher, I don't even want to say a great fallback position, but an opportunity to shift your focus to teaching in a way that will boost your confidence exponentially immediately. Right? I don't even probably need to, or there's no teacher that needs to really give you support to teach in this way for the most part, because you know the actions to create the poses, 
I, I, I'm assuming, and you know the shapes of the poses, right? So if you stick to action words and describing shape, knee over heel, that kind of thing, you'll get there. You know, that is a great, powerful, clear, confident way to teach. And guess what? While you're teaching that way, you get to build your anatomy knowledge so you can start to pull in the, the anatomy understanding you need to so you can then go to the next level of providing anatomy-based cues, which start to incorporate an understanding of dynamic movement, right? So I'm, I'm gonna, I mean, I really hesitate to, well, let me do this at this point. I was gonna break down one of these examples, but um, let me hold off on that. I wanna just quickly, I wanna just quickly reiterate or re-review the cues template analyzer, I mean, I'm kind of calling it some different words, um, the cues evaluation template that I shared last week. And this is going to be made into a PDF that you'll be able to download. My assistant's working on it now. As soon as it's ready, I'll, I'll post it in a variety of places. Um, I want to tell you the components of this. I'm not going to go into them in major detail. I want you to go back and listen to the prior episode for that. I want to just highlight here what are the major components? Because this is a great way to start to kind of check yourself and check your knowledge and if and really kind of bring this point home, okay? So let's kind of go back and review so I can present the evaluation template again and you can hopefully have this whole thing really hit home. So here I am, I'm teaching a class or I'm taking a class and I hear a cue like squeeze your glutes and bridge. And I may be laying there on the mat going, what the heck does that mean? Or why should I be doing that? Or, you know, something along those lines, right? So the first part of the, of the um, Q evaluation template is to look at what are the anatomical actions of the pose? The second part is what are the muscles involved, both concentrically contracting and those passively lengthening or eccentrically lengthening? The next part of the template is identify joints that might be compromised depending on where they are in relation to the floor, how they're weighted or impacted by gravity. The fourth part is work to gain a better understanding of the rationale being expressed for the concern or guideline shared. This you can only do if you have a conversation with the teacher using the cue. The next part is consider the impact of the group versus the individual. The next one is consider the impact of a dynamic movement versus a static stretch. And the last one is consider the impact of frequency on the action or the pose. And so essentially all those things, all those factors, that list of criteria explain or illustrate that you know the fundamentals and those fundamentals build up to a point where you can better understand the why behind a cue. Now, it might mean that as you put that cue through this analyzing process, you may come up with a different conclusion, right? And you may say, well, how can that be? How come there's not a right answer? <laughs> well, if you're thinking that, that's an interesting question. You know, there is... Um, an understanding we can get of all the different parts and how they work together. And there are definite trends and general concepts that we can uh, hold out. I don't want to even say as facts, but as guidelines, 
All of this though is being applied to people. So we always have to kind of allow for some leeway there. But I think you're about 80 to 85% there when you can start to answer all these questions that I'm laying out that come out of putting a cue through this process. And the, the bottom line is, if you're using a cue and you can't reverse engineer the cue backwards through this template, you should not be using that cue. You should be able to confidently say, what's the anatom, I mean, let's just say anatomical action and muscles being used. Let's just say that. So if I say to somebody, reach your arms up in warrior one, drop your shoulder blades, that one cue there makes a big, huge assumption that I know as a teacher what the action of the scapula are when the shoulder is in flexion. And if even that statement is confusing to you, definitely go back to the drawing board. Go back to the fundamentals, right? Because we have to start looking at things like, like I just said, anatomical actions. When the arms are up, what are the anatomical actions of both the shoulder joint and the scapula? What muscles are involved? and what muscles are involved concentrically, as well as eccentrically, as well as isometrically, right? And on and on and on the other things I said. So this is, you know, I'm not trying to be a pain in the butt here. I'm basically trying to explain how you can, number one, better understand cues and the whys behind them. And you may come up with your own whys where you basically say, I don't think that's a good cue. And number two, understand what you have available to you as an, to be an effective teacher right now. And that's what all that I was going into about action and alignment. You know, this is not to say, oh, you shouldn't be teaching. No, this is just to say, let's start to embrace where we're at right now and fully embrace it because that's where we're going to put ourselves out there as super confident, strong, clear, purpose-driven teachers all qualities part of my mission statement. And meanwhile, I'm working behind the scenes here, and I'm not talking to me, I'm talking to you, to fill in these knowledge gaps. Because I definitely want to understand why when someone comes into chair pose, their tailbone's hyperextended, or they have this big sway back, right? I definitely want to understand why some people look like their shoulder blades are way, way lifted in warrior one and other people don't, or maybe how can I even like cue them to get out of that? Cause that looks really uncomfortable to me. I want to understand why some people say contract your glutes and bridge and other people say, don't relax them. Like these are the, so you're going to kind of go on this path. And, you know, I mean, this is why I created the blueprint learning program. I created it because I saw this huge gap in the industry that was result in knowledge as to applying anatomy to cues. And the result of that knowledge gap in the training, you know, the result of that gap in learning in the training or a gap in the training process that results in that gap in knowledge in teachers is outputting teachers who are just saying phrases, saying phrases, saying phrases without the knowledge of the fundamentals behind them. So that's what the Blueprint Learning Program is about. You know, the, the technique that that program uses that I've created is both a learning, a self-learning process with the course, 
and then a dynamic learning process through live coaching sessions with me, and then an additional process with the anatomy manual. So it's multi-layered and it's meant to give you multiple ways to learn to make this kind of thing happen. So that's really the overall concept that I wanted to share with you today. And, and again, I really kind of want to phrase it as a bit of a gut check for you. And I, you know, to kind of take a moment and do an honest self-assessment to say to yourself, am I really jumping ahead of where I really am at in terms of my understanding of dynamic movement of the body? And if that's, you know, if you come out of that honest assessment and you're like, eh, maybe this is why I don't feel confident when I teach. Maybe this is why I kind of dread teaching. Maybe this is why I'm terrified somebody's going to ask me questions after class. All of that is really great realization. These are all really great realizations to have because it's, you know, it's kind of like saying, okay, great. Now I'm going to come with a, come up with a plan of action. So I want to end here. I, I feel like this is a good place to kind of take, take a moment here. Um, and I want to just end by reminding you, of course, if the Blueprint Learning Program is something that interests you, just go to the website. You can get on the wait list there. And I know a bunch of you are probably in my anatomy work group on Facebook. That's another, um, that's a free resource you can take advantage of. Uh, a lot of my inspiration for the podcast comes from uh, questions that teachers post and common comments that teachers post in there. To join the group, just go on Facebook and search for the Bare Bones Yoga Anatomy Work Group, and you can send in a request to be part of the group. Just remember, there are four questions you have to answer to be admitted. Um, and I process all the applications, so I see them. And I like to do that because I like to know why people want to be in the group and you need to be a teacher to be in the group and i also want to thank all the teachers who have commented in the group it's been really really great that teachers are commenting and that they're asking questions without fear of somebody like saying hey i can't believe you have that question not that someone would say that but hey it's facebook you never know <laughs> and i really have been like super psyched that the whole tone of the group has been so positive and people are like super open and coachable and looking to learn. And that's just been like really, really fun for me. Um, and I hope for you, if you're in the group and if you're not, you can just go ahead and, and, and send in a, a request. So I want to thank you so much. I'm going to end it here. Um, again, I do hope with everything going on, you stay well, um, practice your social distancing. We are all doing that and taking that seriously uh, right now. And, um, and I hope, you know, that you stay well, uh, and me as well, and we stay positive over these coming weeks of uncertainty. You know, the good news is, again, as yoga teachers, we know the tools to use, and we can use them not only for ourselves, but be, um, you know, just encouragers or encouraging people to those around us to try to use these tools as well during um, these really weird uh, and somewhat scary times. You know, we will get through this, this will pass, and these tools will help us uh, get through it with a little more sanity and clarity. I know they're helping me right now, and I really encourage you, if you haven't, you know, retaken up your home meditation practice, even just 10 minutes in the morning, first thing before you turn on the news, can be really, really helpful. All right, so have a good day. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you on the next 
episode.